with verse 5. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. And John said in verse 11 of that same chapter, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now I want you to notice especially in verse 11 that there are two types of baptism that are mentioned in this passage. First of all, there's mention of John's baptism. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It led towards salvation, but it did not save an individual. It was in reference to repentance. When someone repented of their sins, they were told to be baptized. So that's the first type of baptism that is mentioned here. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Looking toward your repentance, looking at your repentance. I baptize you in reference to your repentance. But, notice what is said after that. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He being Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So that's the second baptism that is mentioned. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. And we understand that after Jesus' death, baptism was used toward remission of sin. Used for remission of sins. We repent and are baptized for the remission of our sins. Now Jesus' baptism is mentioned in three of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 we read this. Matthew 3 and verse 13. And bear with me. I'm very congested today for some reason. Matthew 3, 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. See that Jesus came to John to be baptized. And at first... John told him, I need to be baptized by you. What sins had Jesus committed? None. 
What did he need to repent of? Nothing. But he did it to fulfill all righteousness. He did it as an example for us. We read of the same thing happening in Mark chapter 1. A different account of the same actions. Mark 1 verses 9 through 11. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Another account of the same thing, Luke 3, verses 21 and 22. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Now as we look at all three of these accounts, what do we learn? We learn that Jesus was baptized again to fulfill all righteousness. Matthew 3 and verse 15. Through his own baptism he shows his disciples that he is God's son. Shows all people that he is God's son. And the importance of doing his father's will. One of the things that Jesus mentioned on many occasions was that he had come to fulfill his father's will. To do his father's will. And certainly he did. In the things that he did in, in his life, and even in his death, he fulfilled his Father's will. And we understand that our own baptism is done, again, in accordance with the Father's will. Just as Christ was baptized, so we are baptized for that reason, to fulfill God's will. We also find that mention of baptism is in the book of John. As we look at chapter 1, we see that baptism is mentioned here. John chapter 1, and verse 22. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. One of their own people. Verse 27, it is he who coming after me is preferred before me. Whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. We continue reading at verse 32. 
And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. I want you to notice that this is a different perspective of what happened. We're told in the different accounts of Jesus' baptism, but now we're looking from the point of view of the one that baptized him. And notice what he says here about Christ's baptism. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So now we learn something about Jesus. That the way that he was to be known was through his baptism. The one who, who sent me said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. It's at this point that we realize that Jesus is the Son of God. Because he was baptized. And because of what happened after, we have this witness that this is him. This is the Son of God. In John chapter 3, beginning with verse 22. It says, After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. So, from its first mention in Scripture... From what we find of baptism in the Gospels, we read that baptism involved, involved dipping in water. Now, this was no sprinkling. This was no pouring over the head. This was a dipping in water. As we read in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. And go back to John chapter 3 and we read that John was baptizing in Anon... Why? Because there was much water there. There is reason for baptizing where they did. We also understand from Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11 that John's baptism was not yet complete and would not be until Jesus came baptizing with the Holy Spirit and fire. And even then it wasn't until Jesus' death that we have the final baptism, the one that we understand as the one for forgiveness of sins, the one that we participate in. So Jesus had to come and die for us before baptism would be in its complete form. And so baptism we find 
least in some sense, completes our salvation, though we are told that we must live a faithful life. And that will be our next lesson. But these instances of baptism must have been by immersion. They had to have been by immersion from what we read in these passages. Notice that Jesus came up from the water. Matthew 3.16 and Mark 1 and verse 10. And again, John was baptizing in Anon because there was much water there. John 3.23. So we find that baptism was by immersion. And whenever we look at scriptures overall, we find that all baptism is by immersion. There are different verses that are pulled out of context to refer to sprinkling or pouring or something of that nature. But we only read of baptism by immersion in Scripture. So until we have done that, until we've been immersed, we are not able to call ourselves Christians. As we continue in our study, let's look at baptism as it was preached. We understand that the Great Commission that is given to us as Christians teaches us that baptism is important. Look at the three accounts of the Great Commission. One of these we don't look at very often. But Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 through 20. It says this. Matthew 28 verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Mark 16 and verse 14 Verses 14 through 16. It says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Can you imagine seeing Jesus and being rebuked because you didn't believe the accounts of his return to life? But in verse 15, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Now, this is another passage that is pulled out of context. There are many that would say in verse 16 that because belief is not mentioned in the second part of that verse or, or baptism is not mentioned there that it's not important. It's not essential. But look at it from this standpoint. If someone believes in Christ will they not be baptized for their sins? However, if someone is, does not believe then what reason would they have in being baptized? Baptism is not necessary to be mentioned here because baptism 
is something that follows belief. If someone does not believe, they're not going to obey. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe and thus does not obey will be condemned. Now look at Luke 24 verses 45 through 47. Luke 24 and verse 45. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, And thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. The same commission given in three different accounts. Each is a different account of the same thing. The commission that is given to Jesus' disciples and to us also. From these accounts we learn that we are to preach the gospel to all the world. We learn that we have a mission on this earth as Christians to spread the gospel throughout the entire world. Now you might ask, well what can a small congregation like us do to carry the gospel to all the world? We have different ways of doing so. As a matter of fact, we probably have more opportunities now than ever. We think of the opportunities that we have through media television, radio, internet. And those are things that we take advantage of. That we use in the right way to spread the gospel throughout the whole world. We can reach different nations by these means. Now we see that the apostles began by preaching it in Jerusalem. And today we have opportunity and ability to bring it to all the lost of all nations. Now they had to carry it by word of mouth, by letters, by going on foot a lot of times. They had to travel many long travels to preach the gospel to many different peoples. But we understand that if we are not able to go ourselves, we are able to send it by the hands of missionaries Again, through media. And really, as we look at ourselves as Christians, we have no excuses when it comes to spreading the gospel throughout the entire world simply because of the opportunities that we have. Now, we learn also that to be saved, one must hear the gospel preached. We understand the importance of that in Romans 10. There are several verses that speak on the importance of hearing what is preached and believing it. But we must hear the gospel preached. And we must be obedient to it. We must repent and be baptized to receive remission of sins. Without these things, remission of sins is not possible. And seeing the authority given to the apostles, the disciples are to follow their teachings as the word of God. Through them we know God's commands. Knowing His commands, we are to put them into practice and teach them to those around us. 
Those are the things that we learn from the Great Commission alone. In response to hearing the word preached, those in sin are told what must be done. We go to Acts chapter 2. We read of the first gospel sermon that was preached on the day of Pentecost. And we read at the end of that sermon that the people of Jerusalem asked, what, men and brethren, what shall we do? And in verse 38, they were given an answer. Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Baptism, we are taught, is an important part of obedience. Notice what is said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 18. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sin, the just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh. But made alive by the Spirit. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was being prepared in which a few. That is eight souls were saved through water. As we look back to the days of Noah, as we look back in history, we see that Noah was obedient to God, was he not? We see a wonderful example of faith in Noah because he heard what God said. He believed what God said. And he obeyed what God said. So when God told him that there was going to be a flood that would destroy the world, destroy the earth, he believed him. And when God told him to build the ark and gave him the specifications for it, he obeyed him. Noah was a great example of faith. Now we go back to those days in which the ark was being prepared. And we see that a few, only a few souls were saved. And we understand that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He preached what God told him. But the people failed to believe him. All except for his own family. And so we see that eight souls were saved. How were they saved? They were saved through water. Now, how were they saved through water? You know, we, we see this ark being built. And we see that his family goes inside and they're saved. Aren't they saved from the flood? Or are they saved through the flood? What might they have been saved from through the flood? Think of the wickedness of the world. The world had been corrupted. By man-made doctrines and beliefs and 
all kinds of different things that people were doing. Their, their thoughts, we understand, were, were wicked. They were evil. Even just their thoughts were evil. Not just their deeds. And so when we look at the wickedness of the world, Canoe and his family have been saved from that wickedness. Something that could have influenced them. Absolutely. But we see that this flood came to cleanse the earth. Wash the wickedness away. Noah and his family, yeah, they were saved through the water. Now we read in verse 21, there's also an antitype. I like the way the King James puts it. A like figure. There's also a like figure which now saves us. Baptism. Baptism is not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to Him. Just as Noah and his family were saved through the water, we see that we too are saved through water. Baptism cleanses us inwardly, not outwardly. I'm not going to be go in covered in dirt and come out clean. Physically, anyway. But what we understand about baptism is that when we are baptized, we are cleansed in our heart and our souls. Through obedience to God's Word, through repentance, confession, and baptism, we understand that we are saved from our sins. But it is not until baptism that we come in contact with the cleansing blood of Christ. Romans 6 verses 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died in sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Notice what is represented here. Died to sin. When we have died to sin, it means we have repented. That's what repentance is. A change of life, a change of habit, a change of mind. We change our direction and our focus from the world and the pleasures of it to God and His glory and serving Him. So when we repent, we see that we have died to sin. Just as Christ died physically, so we are to die spiritually. Repentance is putting away the sins formerly practiced. We are to die to the world and all of its temptations and pleasures. Buried with Him. Buried with Him represents baptism. Being dead because we have repented 
Because we've died to sin, we are in need of being buried. And likewise, we are buried in baptism. Just as the body of Christ was buried physically, we understand that we are buried spiritually in that watery grave, as we often refer to it. Walk in the newness of life, that's faithful living. As Jesus was raised three days following his crucifixion, <clears throat> so we are able to rise from the death of the old man, putting on the new. And it is only through full obedience to his commands that we are able to live in Christ. Whenever we have represented what Jesus did for us by dying to sin and repentance, by being buried in the watery grave of baptism, and being resurrected, rising to walk in the newness of life from that watery grave, we rise to live a faithful life. And it's only through the full obedience to God's commands that we understand that we are saved. Now there's more to this lesson. I'm going to stop there and we'll continue the rest of it tonight. But I think that we have a good idea of what we need to do to be saved. Just from the weeks of study that we have put in so far, we understand that we need to have faith. We need to believe in God. We need to believe in His Son. We believe, need to believe in His Word. And believing His Word, we need to obey it also. We understand that we need to repent. We need to change our lives. We need to turn away from what we once were. Become a new person. We need to put away the pleasures of the world. And all the things that we once did. When we change our lives, we know that we're following God's commands. We need to confess before others that we believe. We need to confess to them that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Confessing before Christians helps us to confess before the world. Something that we do continually in our lives. We need to be baptized for the remission of our sins. Without obedience to all of these commands, we cannot receive that forgiveness that is offered to us by God's grace. We also understand that we need to live a faithful life. And it may be that some of us have failed in doing that. Maybe we've not been fully obedient to Him. Maybe we've not completely done the things that we need to do. Maybe we need to rededicate ourselves to Him. And we need to ask for prayers or for forgiveness. But if we have any need whatsoever, we're given an opportunity to respond to that need. To make ourselves right in God's sight. We offer an invitation. We do it every week. But it's not just because we feel like we're supposed to. It's because we have a, a great honor in doing so. Because it's not my invitation, it's God. It's open all the time. Any time that someone realizes their need, the invitation to come is always open. But if you realize your need now, and there's something that we can do to assist you, and we give you the opportunity to come as together we stand.
That's what's taking.